0: Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Melanie Lee from Trust Psychology and Trust Pain Management about how she realized she needed to create something bigger than her and the process of turning a private practice into a psychology
1: service. So hi Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much Rosie it's great to be here do feel free to call me Mel as well that's great (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, I will Mel and so first Mel can you tell me a bit about the two services that you run like who do you help and how do you help them?
1: Yes, sure. So trust psychology and trust pain management are both based in the northeast of England. Our office, which I'm sitting in today, is in Jesmond in the centre of Newcastle, but we operate across the region. And now, of course, with Zoom opportunities, um, even in a wider geographical stretch to that as well. But we exist really to offer a trustworthy, responsive service to clients and to referrers with particular clients. Client need, particularly in the medical legal area. So case managers and solicitors often refer to us, particularly now for our new pain management service, where we have a multi and interdisciplinary team of psychology, occupational therapy and physiotherapy, working together on a collaborative team treatment plan sort of formulated together and informed by the same principles. So we've we've grown it used to be just me at the start in 2016. And now we have unbelievably, I was just counting everybody up earlier, 16 associates including wow. different, different professional backgrounds. Now of course not everyone's full-time or doing this for the their sole um employment or income. People have a range of other things as well, but it's Our real kind of core vision is to be able to to keep people safe in connection and look at psychological trauma-driven, formulation-driven services that particularly focus on chronic pain. That's our area of specialty.
0: And I love the fact that it is a multidisciplinary service, because I think so often when we do our formulation, It doesn't involve just, you know, seeing a psychologist in a silo. We can see that all of these other interventions would be really helpful, but it's quite rare in the independent sector anyway to find a service
1: with all of that under one roof. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are a few people doing it at different points in the country or with a different focus, perhaps than pain specifically. But it really came out of reflections both on how it felt for me in private practice to be doing something really as you've spoken about many times with some of your other guests as well you do this for a grander sort of a greater purpose and a vision of what you want to offer the world that you feel you've got more opportunity to innovate and achieve in the private setting but what struck me quite quickly is I really missed my colleagues and I missed having a team around me and of course thinking about just diversity of opinion and highlighting your blind spots but I've been incredibly lucky to have connections with people that are maybe a few steps ahead of me doing other private things so learning as well about the benefits of outsourcing that you've spoken about a lot before and really honing where your skills are best placed as opposed to trying to do everything yourself so it 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 came out of a real need to have people to talk to as well (laughs) and and to get excited with the 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 greatest moments which have kind of surprised me are when I get feedback from a referrer or a client around what one of our associates or team members have done and the pride of sort of the collective enthusiasm is just fantastic I really enjoy that side of it.
0: I can really relate to that I think sometimes when you're sitting on your own in a room it can feel really terrifying especially if you get some complexity come your way or there's a client who's really difficult for you emotionally then you just don't have that colleague connection um to back you up and to feel supported
1: oh absolutely like that the I think from there was a, a real part of me or I sometimes speak in parts because I'm really interested in IFS at the moment internal family systems so the there was an absolute part of me that did this for the supportive aspect as well and the collaboration but what's brilliant is if you really look at what the evidence base says for for psychological therapies and particularly for approaches like chronic pain Mm -hmm. that we're really doing a disservice to our clients if we're not able to give them that holistic multidisciplinary or that interdisciplinary all really working together um, approach to To be able to establish not just what the client needs, but make sure you're on the same thread throughout, because all of us have been part of teams, where it's much more linear, you see, um, particularly in my old service, um, in the NHS of seeing a consultant anaesthetist first perhaps getting a medication review going on the waiting list for physiotherapy and then psychology and we would all come together for the pain management program but to be able to offer and this is where we started when i spoke to my my colleagues initially we just got in a room and had some coffee and said like if we could do this in the way that we wished to set it up how would it look And we came quite quickly to the realization that it would be three of us in the room together with the client at the same time, offering a very held containing experience, also keeping in mind not to be too overwhelming Mm. that as well. So lots of different factors to consider, but just starting to talk about it generates that level of interest. And I've been amazed at the amount of people said, yeah, Mel, count me in, I'm there. Even before we fully fleshed out what it really looks like. Of course, all of that work is still ongoing. It's an ongoing process.
0: Yeah, I think I can I can see why people would jump at the chance because so much of the time when we're working in, you know, either the NHS or other public services, you feel like you're compromising on what would be best practice. Um, you know, Sometimes yeah. you feel like you're not even able to follow nice guidelines, uh, let alone what you might think would be best practice. And so the opportunity to create something which ticks all of your professional boxes, where you can go home at the end of the day and think, I, I gave the absolute best that we can give to that person. I think that would be extremely alluring <laughs> to lots of people. I can totally see why people jumped on board with you straight away for that one.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's it's not just that kind of supportive nature for you as a professional and the absolute reality of we need to be held to do the best possible job for our clients, just like parents need to be held in order to support their children. It all goes back to that, those core attachment um, and understanding of those ideas, but to, to feel again, having feedback from some some colleagues that there's something like warm and fuzzy that happens when we all connect together, that we're doing something that absolutely embodies our values. But the more we've been doing this together, the more we're able to really articulate what is underneath that. So um, I might have said to you before, when we were talking about my emphasis on process over content, which is the single most greatest lesson i learned from my doctoral training and the role of the the therapeutic relationship but just the 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 how of what is happening not just the what mm. um, so that always drew me to the relational approaches and trying to think about how we really integrate. The thing that I think is missing in a lot of healthcare, and you know this when you're a client or a user of services yourself, is that lack of integration throughout. Who's holding you, especially at times of great distress or in times of pain and agony? So we've come up. Um, And it's been lovely, again, to have a team collective idea around values, like what are our values? So to be able to come back to trust and to be able to come back to core safety. So we've got these phrases that we, we keep talking about in the team, which is trust the process attend to the relationship and think about how we can really integrate and be value driven like so many of the acceptance and commitment therapy principles Mm. which is not my core therapeutic model but a number of my team members uh, really embrace as well.
0: Yeah I love that because I think often that is the piece that can go missing really sadly but from some of the services that I've worked in I had to reflect on this as part of my um, MBA course that I'm doing with Warwick Uni and I had to reflect on leadership in these departments and I said actually I think one of the fundamental problems is that when I go on these trusts websites that I worked for I don't recognize the values they were never spoken about they were never part of that service really It, it wasn't I I couldn't see them in the work that we'd done and the way that we'd done it, which is really sad. Um, But I think not uncommon for bigger organisations to to lose their values in that way. Um, Whereas the opportunity in independent practice of building something with the values right at the core of it and, and not letting go of those, I think is fantastic.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I really valued your podcast episode when you invited us all to go into the, particularly thinking about our niches, but thinking about those values. And I really appreciated your attention to this is going to be painful, guys, actually, because I found that having named our values, which are trust, <laughs> I hope that, given our name, integrity, and responsiveness, as well as the underlying kindness and compassion that is there as well. That by having those core values named, what that allows you to do is every decision that you make, not only clinically decision-wise, but business decisions, du- the direction we go, how we respond to this particular issue with an associate, with a client, with a referrer, based on those values and it means that it's likely in time that most team members or associates within our service will make a similar decision or will do things that are driving towards that greater shared vision because we're we're doing our best to improve Body, which I think is so crucial when you're working in the area of physical health and trauma in particular. So something that I often talk about, and I was trying to think where I got this from, and I honestly can't remember. It was something a supervisor said to me as a third year clinical trainee. But if you imagine an upside down triangle, I use this a lot in my sort of supervision as well, with um, process on one corner, formulation on the other, and technique or strategy at the the base there, then unless you've got the attention to the trust in the process, and I'm not just talking like lip service to therapeutic alliance, I'm talking about really doing the rupture repair work that we know has to be done and using therapist core self and awareness of you in order, to negotiate that relationship which is an ongoing thing then once that's established then you can look at the formulation are we on the same page do we have a similar understanding of what we're trying to do here what is your need at this point in your life and as you'll know for a lot of people the work is just that process formulation process formulation and then and only then does the technique or strategy come into play so that the idea that you can do protocol driven treatment or treatment that is following a set you can absolutely have a thread of a treatment plan that's that's of course very important but moment to moment attunement is so critical and what frustrates me is the the lip service that is often paid to the kind of technique or strategy mm. and that even that model by itself has really helped us as a team work out what order we need to do things in is because until we know each other well and trust one another and then think about are we on the same page then we can talk about how we're going to do it how we're going to deliver it and I, I I see that everywhere people thinking that they're doing the most useful thing but then wondering why they're getting into stuck points so the idea of doing a kind of formulation driven which I think psychologists are fantastic at you know we don't get it right all the time of course we've got our blind spots but particularly in business and the the marketing strategies you hear mindset being thrown out all over the place and I've actually reached out I think Michaela's episode with you the other day when she just said I reached out to these people I've done it a bit myself now so thank you Michaela and um, I'm going to be interviewed for a business podcast like reaching out to the, to say look you need to talk to psychologists if you're talking about principles to do with mindset and self-regulation we know that we just keep it protected in the sort the, of the therapy realm and there's so much greater application mm, even thinking about more. And it's so interesting
0: that you kind of started out by think it sounds like you kind of started out by thinking how do we want to approach this for clients and making sure that you and your team were all working from the same page. Because of course, there are clinicians who wouldn't want to work in that way. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't be the right ones to work with you, which is a painful truth, but a reality. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you were all on the same page in your approach to clients, but in doing that it's also formed your approach to the whole business and right away yeah. you know from the high level stuff down to the marketing plan which is absolutely
1: what I've seen happening in my business too really oh, important and I think all of your reflections and conversations about that have really spurred sort of me as a listener of your podcast onto as well and because then if you're embodying things it feels authentic doesn't it Mm. and um so much of the time we we deny that or we step into the what we view as the professional mode so your conversation with was it Claire um about the YouTube um experience oh yeah Yeah, that was fantastic yeah yeah that idea that we just need to start and go, and even people, there's there's been fantastic episodes with Asha from Innovating Minds about, and Asha and I connected at the end of a webinar that she ran recently, it, and it is just taking that extra step, isn't it, to say, let's just try it and see and trust the fundamental training that we have and the fact that we do do this day in, day out, and um, that, you know, if, if it takes, what is it, that that concept of 10,000 hours to become an expert in something? And if you count out the amount of hours, sort of post-star quality, even pre with our assistant roles as well, then we're there. We, we do know about this. So it's okay to go and share that. And, and the key idea with marketing that really stuck with me, because of course, we don't know anything about business. We're clinicians, aren't we? That, that actually marketing particularly from an ethical point of view is about sharing what you can offer and, and telling people about it it's it's so different to i think how it can be perceived in other set and i think that's true when you get a lot of the conversations that happen say in the facebook pages that we're all part of what to do with client cancellations or dnas or what to do in all of these ethical dilemmas then Going back to those core values and those principles is is fundamental, isn't it? It just gives you that held, contained space. Absolutely, and almost a root map for any anything you could absolutely, yeah. Mm. It's almost, you're almost formulating yourself, aren't you? Based on these core principles, this is what our formulation would actually suggest we do. And it's been fantastic to have a team to be able to pick up the phone to and just run it by them as well. What would you do? Like, do you think this is okay if I do this? And I absolutely invite and welcome everyone that joins our team to do that at every single stage with me. I'm always on the end of the phone. I have lots of conversations with people just get like you're, you're held and you're, you, you're welcome here because if you're not safe and I have had some feedback from, from people in the team about what that feels like in relation to other services that they've been in. Cause I myself was an associate when I got up and running and to be more than just a, sort of a provider or a number where you're just sent a referral and assumed to be getting on with it and just talk about the nuances of what does it mean to, to charge this or so what's going to happen with the collection of the money or what's going to what's that going to mean if you've got something going on in your personal life that to have other people that can step in or offer that support means that people have got longevity then we've got haven't we that prevention of burnout that we all worry about particularly in private practice I think
0: yeah exactly it sounds like a real team rather than I think some sometimes an associate model can be built where it's you know I'm the main practitioner and I'm just going to use associates when I'm too busy yeah And, and that's not a team um whereas with your model it's an associate model but it sounds very much like you work together and and see yourselves as a team which feels quite different i
1: think oh thank you rosie i think that's such an important point that it's very tempting to look at what the services do and i certainly did that early on like how do you do an associate model is it a referral fee and then they have to take care of everything themselves is it a percentage and we do certain things but not other things and of course those the the whole spectrum of of different options within that and i think one thing I would say to people listening is it can be very tempting to think how should I do this or what's the right way to do it rather than going back to those values and thinking about okay what do you want to do what does your service need and you've spoken to this with systems as well actually even template systems like I use WriteUp and treasury and now monday.com for the project management side of things and each of them needs a slight tweak or an, an adaptation and doing what we're doing with this multi and interdisciplinary working, we might even need another more case management based software to think about everything being integrated and thinking about really how you can use technology to do that. And there are so many ways that you can Again, use your formulation driven ideas to dictate what it is that your service needs and not to be apologetic about that. I think I'm just learning to keep focused on our direction of travel and be aware of what others are doing and invite conversations, but not to get too concerned by it. And of course, so much easier said than done, absolutely. <laughs>
0: it's so hard to let go of that idea that there's a right way of running a business. Yeah. I think if I could, you know, if I could leave listeners with one message, it'd be there isn't a right way. There might be a way that works better for you, but, you know, there are people running really successful practices that look totally different from each yeah. other all across the country. Um, and that's great, because it means that we're serving a a diverse group of clients if we're if we're providing completely yeah. diverse services
1: i think something you were r- relating to earlier just before we started recording as well is about the ongoing process that nothing is a f- finished product anyway and it can be very scary or you can be quite hesitant to make the first step can't or take the first step until you've got it all sorted and we haven't not got it sorted by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination whatsoever i um I had the real great fortune of having some sessions with a business coach just before Christmas which was actually funded through um, our local council in Newcastle oh, um, and, city, and City Life. I should really name that because it was absolutely fantastic. Tracy Clarkson from Lark Partners was able to offer me eight hours of her time with my team later on as well, our sort of senior collective team um, to talk about business development. And that was only through some of these emails that you get connected. And so many of those emails you might delete or pass on. But really want to make people aware how much support there is out there. I think Ash has spoken about this before as well. We've just applied for a grant to help us develop our website because that's been a real sticking point for me. It's not anywhere near where I want it to be and we we are recruitment of associates is happening at such such a rate that to keep that up to date is a real challenge in the midst of clinical work and everything else that we're doing but now we've got the opportunity with this potentially grant fingers crossed that we can again go back and think to the team like this is what we're thinking about what we want to say on it are there other factors or can we future proof it for potential webinars or subscription services in the future there's it's There really is a lot of support and help out there if you know where to look for it. Yeah, there
0: absolutely is. And I, I think often we we don't engage in our local business community enough so we don't find out about it but this is another reason I'm always going on about go to networking
1: events yeah yeah I don't know if you're part of the Federation of Small Businesses yes, FSB I've only recently heard about it and it was through a LinkedIn contact I've joined and that's a fabulous resource in terms of free web I mean you have to pay your membership but again the networking already there may be avenues for sort of partnerships or referral opportunities And just feeling you're giving something back to your local business community in terms of what we can offer as a psychological and chronic pain aware service, especially when you've got things like long COVID, Mm -hmm. having such a huge impact on the the em- employment sector and the working life adults moving forward so those collaborations and partnerships can really come out of left field if you just keep your eyes open to them absolutely and it was only
0: through going to some really corporate and weird sounding business <laughs> events, um that I learned about the social enterprise community and realized well, yeah. that I was in fact running a social enterprise and then <laughs> once I embraced that then you know, I'm, I'm now on lots of mailing lists where, where I'll find out about like little pots of funding that can do things okay. like get your website up and running and, and really help accelerate your mission. So I, I couldn't emphasize more to people being visible at networking events. It's, yes, it's great for marketing, but it's also great for just the development of your ideas and your business. And yeah, getting that support that is out there and we might as well access
1: it. <laughs> Definitely and something that the the business coach Tracy really emphasized for me that I hadn't thought about at all really from the marketing perspective and again that's still something we need to work so much more on that we're just scratching the surface of what's possible people do not know we exist a lot of our referrals are still through word of mouth, so I'm sure that by the time we really. ourselves in a position that we know what our strategy is and we're implementing it and again that's frustrating it takes time you you have to divide your time between home and family and it's okay like it's it's lovely when my some of my team say to me remember the slow burn Mel like we're we're getting there it's happening and but Tracy really encouraged me at these networking events to really ask the questions of your kind of core referrers as well what is it you know we might assume what it is that a case manager needs. And also, oh, Shabnam's service when she's doing the psychologically driven case management is just fabulous, isn't it? Just being able to consider those gaps in the market around what it is that has happened up to date that people just assume will continue. Mm -hmm. And I've had that experience with some of my cases um, in that there's there's things that that the medical legal framework encourages or puts into place that actually we wouldn't think is very safe psychologically or is going against some of our core values and principles but we're in the system so how do we reflect on that with others that are working within it and that those moments to reflect and step back and to you know, in time, I'm really keen for our team to have regular case reviews when we think together about what did we learn positively and in terms of improvement for cases and share formulations. And because you've got that opportunity, if you set up your your associate model, where it is a collective that is much more team focused then you can be thinking about things like the GDPR protection and the decisions you have to make about what's shared and what's not shared within the team versus individual cases Mm. and all of those things come back to really deciding from an associate model kind of where where you're starting from and where you want to get to because I have to reflect on the fact that what we've got now is maybe not exactly fit for purpose and we're still evolving it as we go but as we said earlier yeah we
0: have the evolution of it because i I know from talking to you before this that you you didn't start out with the same vision that you've got now um, and things kind of organically started to evolve so can you tell me a bit about that process
1: yeah absolutely if I think back, it was probably 2015, 2016, I started my private practice part time. And I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that my my other half, the lovely Dave Lee, um, Dr. Sleep, he um, was already doing some of this work and was very encouraging to me and incredibly supportive. So he had a number of contacts and suggestions about kind of how to get known and where to get started. But then what I was able to do is just start generating those sort of referral links and then like we said i i missed people i I missed the 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 ability to to have those conversations with colleagues and share i miss being excited with people rosie like there's nothing greater than being at one of our meetings and us kind of all talking about the fact that we're passionate about the mind body connection and then getting excited about it so I was lucky enough to be able to go full time in private practice about 2017 that just coordinated with some life events that were happening Dave and I got married and it was just the perfect timing to to move from being because I had some part time cases, or during cases that I was doing in part time hours, to then just have a greater number of flexible days. And trust psychology was sort of born there, and it, it's it's fascinating looking back because when I thought about the name, um, I I knew intuitively I didn't want it to be my name or something about where I was located. I just there's something about that just didn't sit with me, and I just wrote down a load of words that I associated with what I do and psychology, and trust just stood out to me, and I'm. So delighted I picked that because now thinking about the the evolution to trust pain management and how that fits with our core ethos of what we're trying to offer. People seem to get it quite quickly. It's got kind of multiple meanings attached to it. Mm. And now I know that that kind of intuitive instinct was that the, the kind of the early sort of seeds growing in terms of the culture and ethos of what we've created. And I have to say, it's just moments of conversations that you don't expect. So I've got a a fabulous colleague in Vicky Gilman who runs social return case management in the Northeast. And she's um, a lovely friend who's championed me from the word go. And she said to me a while ago, sort of, Mel, I can tell you're gonna make this work. Like I I can see that you're gonna make a success of this. So just for another person to have that faith in you. And then she said, you, you do know with your pain experience, there's a real lack of that, you know, there's a real need for a team approach for this multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary working. Um, and if you had a team rather than us going to individual services, that would be fabulous. It would be cost effective. But again, that absolutely fits with a formulation driven approach because you're not you the 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 associates on my team today are people more often than not that I've worked with considered for a considerable amount of time before now. So I know we know each other, we know how each other work and people have got different circumstances and can give uh, certain amounts of time to to what we're doing. But starting from that basis means that we've, we've, again, that the trust bits kind of already being worked on. And then we can talk about the formulation and then the, the tech, the technique and the strategy of it. So Vicky said about that. So getting getting then just those moments of reflecting back going I can't do that like you know with that imposter syndrome what? how on earth would you even begin to do a team like what what do I need to do and you can get absolutely overwhelmed by those early stages but you just start with conversations so I, I had a chat with Dave and I'm like who would I really love to work with and then people's names just just jumped into my head picked up the phone let's have a chat and a coffee let's just think about it and it's evolved from there people come on just take one case to start with. I sort of share how I've done it up till now. We work on it together. That was manageable. And, and then sort of approaching the physiotherapist and occupational therapy colleagues and doing it, having those similar conversations. What I did not expect then was that people would find us, like it's been word of mouth. I've, I have um, a part of my website that talks about the, uh, we're open to kind of associate inquiries. But other, other than the people that I've approached directly, I think a, a, a huge proportion of the people in the team now have found us or heard about us so have and i honestly didn't expect that to happen i thought there'll probably be two or three of us for a while we'll see how it how it evolves but yeah here, here's probably a lovely opportunity just to do a shout out to the lovely dream team so yeah um,
0: please do yeah no
1: i just want to really say my deep gratitude and thanks to um first of all our senior management team which is a concept that's just evolved since covid because we've had these additional times to think together and use zoom to connect more frequently than we would do so Alan and Catherine and Sonia and then our physios Chris and Jenny our occupational therapist Margaret our clinical psychologists and counselling psychologists so I'm glancing down here to make sure I don't forget anybody it's so important Hannah B, Christy, Leslie and Sarah, Jenna, Hannah W, James, Lois, Zoe, Mike and Amanda, and the, those who have contributed along the way, um, but maybe have other things going on in their lives right now. are Liz, Rob, Kathy, Suzanne, and Kev. Thank you all so much for being part of what we're doing together, and I, you know, really enjoying working with you and looking forward to a, kind of where it's going to go next.
0: Oh, that's so lovely, and I guess it sounds like it wasn't too difficult for you to find your dream team, but. One of the other things which I know really holds people back when they're thinking about building something bigger than than just them, yeah, is knowing
1: how did you know that you were financially ready to do it? That's a good question, and the answer is I didn't. I didn't know I was financially ready, but what you can do is thinking about the associate model and the the choices and options that you have. There is always, depending again, if whether you take a referral fee or whether you do a percentage um, and thinking about what I wanted an associate's um, experience of working with us to be and not only to have opportunities and um, to be part of something that, and to you know have access to CPD or have access to training things that we might not have been able to do in certain roles when funding is restricted, especially in current times, um, is the way that we offered it in terms of we we provide the the administrative support and the internal supervision. Um, keeping, of course, that um, clinical guidance if people need to go and get separate formal supervision elsewhere or talk about things completely separate. We've got those arrangements as well. But working out a model whereby the the money that comes into the service is then going to be more than the fee that's paid the associate, So you've got that window, which then goes back into the company, make sure it's profitable, make sure it's sustainable. Um, And then thinking really, clearly about what the flow of that money is as well so very often as people will know with medical legal cases there can be months when you're not paid for those so having a system where people are paid in lieu or paid for you know I'll guarantee that you if if a, a client DNAs that you as our associate will get paid for that session and it's up to me it's on my shoulders to chase up that money afterwards and making sure that there's enough funds in the company that you have that cushion space and wiggle Room. and I think the honest answer is it's never enough like I worry a lot about it there's a lot of work I've had to do personally in private therapy and with mentors about where we are financially and again the business coach was really helpful when I have these doubts about saying but Mel something's working because you're earning money so you, you there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control so try and put as much cushion and thought behind it but what has been so useful coming back to the core idea of trust within the service as well is that conversations are always possible so i've over time being more and more transparent with the team and especially now my senior management team knows everything about what's happening in the business and where we're at and snapshots and what we need to do so to have other people's opinions on where we should be investing and where we should be holding things back takes a lot of the responsibility off my shoulders mm-hmm. now clearly how, how you set the business up in terms of limited companies and partnerships or social enterprises has legal and financial and tax implications and that needs to be thought about but this this and it will all come back on my shoulders uh, it's for certain aspects of those but I'm okay with that for now like I, you know I have to be able to manage those risks and talk about that at home and have you know having contingencies is always an excellent idea but there's so much about trusting the process as well and and your episode with Sally the pricing queen is just brilliant like being able to I've my prices are still not quite where we want them to be so to be able to think about what you want to be able to offer an associate and then think kind of what do I need to charge then to be able to make that workable. Yes,
0: and, and I think that's a piece of the puzzle that we often miss out if we don't have somebody like Sally saying, no, you've got to think about every little thing that went wrong, like just Sam and you mentioned, oh, you know, it's sometimes it's difficult to get paid for DNAs, but we want to pay our associates for those. Yeah. I was like oh yeah that's something I would not have thought of but would cause a real financial problem (laughs) Um, yeah sometimes it's taking that time isn't it to make the spreadsheet of the worst case scenarios (laughs) and figure that out Uh, and actually um, Sally uh, teaches a class in psychology business school about pricing and she's adding in um, for this round the first time she's adding in an associate model for us.
1: Oh amazing. And so yeah, yeah, so she's
0: actually presenting it tomorrow. So I haven't seen it yet. But I think that's going to be a, a spreadsheet which basically, you know, um takes us through how to do like a cash flow um
1: for an yeah.
0: and And it, that sounds really, really powerful, empowering.
1: I'd- yeah and um, i i can absolutely say i haven't got it right yet like there are things that we have spent more on than we should have or i regret spending it on and you just have to look at that and learn but also know that to truly grow and invest then um there you're not going to be able to sit at a comfortable level There, there might be times when you're spending a huge amount out as i watering especially when you talk about subscriptions and month, yeah. monthly commitments to things but one of our philosophies if you think about the trust again is trying to take some of that anxiety away from associates but being clearly transparent about if, if there's ever going to be any issues that are a struggle for us we will tell you as soon as possible and I've been really surprised the amount of people have come to work come forward and said, Mel, we want this to work, so do whatever you need to do to keep that sustainable, even if that means we need to come up with differences to what we originally agreed, although that's not been necessary to date, but to still have that discussion is so supportive and confirming because you can't know what's gonna happen. Like COVID, some of our regular contracts just changed in terms of what what we were able to provide or thinking about. And we have just taken on this beautiful new office. (laughs) And then then all of my kind of room hire projections went out the window because we couldn't use the room. So you just adjust, don't you? You roll with it. It, And this models therapy. It comes back to exactly what we said before. And you've done such a fabulous job in the Do More Than Therapy community about kind of greater reach and all of the things that we can do. But hands up, I adore one-to-one therapy I would spend as much time as I can doing that and the, the the kind of the marriage of the art and science that happens there so to to think about the fact that you've got to roll with it you've got to keep attending to that attunement and relationship the whole way through your therapy you cannot predict everything but as long as you're flexible and adapt then you're more likely to to be in a position as 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 you go along that you don't panic or react too quickly to things which I've done and I've regretted it and I think actually that that is not the responsiveness of our service value that was a more reactive so even if it's a sleep on it before you make the ultimate decision send an email check in with someone they can be really helpful things to keep in mind.
0: Mm, I really like that analogy because I think so many times in business I've done something less than ideal like just like you were saying you know maybe I've spent a thousand pounds on a course which actually was the wrong course and not something I needed or you know I I actually I did it on an Instagram creators course and it was all about taking amazing photos (laughs) and I was like what have I spent my money on that's insane. That will come (laughs) and have it at some point I'm sure. Maybe (laughs) the amount that I beat myself up about that at the time, because it was when I was quite early on in business and I did not have that money to spare, and it felt like what a colossal mistake. But actually, it's just one of those instances where okay, that was a bit of a rupture. I'm going to repair this and get back on track.
1: Absolutely, it's the same philosophy, Mm. and I I really like it, particularly um Catherine, who was the first person to join my team as our full time administrator, and this is another point actually, Catherine and I. knew each other before um, we talked anything about sort of um, what I was trying to do with psychology and it was just me and her for a good year and a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, We we knew each other through our book club and being mums at the same school and it, it just so happened it worked out brilliantly. She wanted to do some working from home so don't always jump straight on the internet or google or find people out there you know see who's local see who you've already got connections with that you might find the ideal person right there I
0: love that and I do think when I think of the most successful business owners I know that is what they've done at the beginning um but I think possibly the reason a lot of people don't do that is this embarrassment we have about talking about what we do and okay, I know yeah. I, I think I shared on the podcast before that when I set up my business I tried to not use my name anywhere and like the idea of the other moms knowing that I did this. Oh right. Yeah. And, but actually it's not until you overcome that that you get any success with your business. You've got to be able to talk about it. You've kind of got to enjoy talking about it and yeah. being passionate about what you do in front of the people you know.
1: <laughs> and yeah. so I think
0: actually doing that, reaching out to your network and um, for something like that, you know, I'm looking for admin or social media support or yeah. any of that. It's a really great way of
1: getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and it- and actually going back to my um some of the team members about what we've talked about you know we might be developing the website soon and people know people don't they somebody knew somebody who is a sort of really good branding expert or people have other connections that you can't know about until you just put it out there but when you know someone and you're developing those relationships one of the things that we worked on really quickly was about sharing those mistakes as well like let's just put it out there so um Catherine and I have loads of conversations about uh uh-oh another boo-boo by me sorry um and by having that transparency it then takes all of the defensiveness or personal responsibility away and we just say okay what was it about that moment that led to that it was probably a systems issue to be fair like we've repeated something and then used the wrong information the second time so that but that I think particularly for associates or team members there can be a huge fear about coming forward and saying I'm not sure how to do this or you know you've asked me to write this report but did you want me to include that bit or this bit so to have open conversations provide templates and say this is what we're looking for but of course you're going to have your clinical clinical autonomy regarding the fact that you're an individual practitioner but come to us and I and I try and model that myself with making mistakes and it's not easy. There's certain things you feel deeply ashamed or embarrassed about. And that's why all of the personal therapy journey work is so important. Say so, mm. which part of me is holding that. Let's just let that step back and relax a bit. So actually we can come forward and say, this is a, this is a process. This is a journey.
0: Mm, yeah. Cause I, I was going to say actually, cause I know we're getting um, short on time. So we've got to wrap up a little bit, but it just sounds like for you and, and for me, and I think for anybody running a business and expanding it, it's a real journey of self-development as well as business development. You can't do one without the other. Um, and yes. I was just wondering if you had any reflections on your kind of personal journey.
1: Yes. And actually, this is a, a, a really good point um, to, to reflect on right now, because there's there's. Uh, I say that because I've got some really exciting news about an international collaboration that we've just developed. And that literally happened last week and it came out of my personal sort of development journey. So it's going back to that idea of, find your joy find when what your purpose is and what your mission and vision are and this idea that you know we don't need to tolerate pain we really have so many things that we know about now and I I've trained in cognitive analytic therapy and EMDR and CBT and I know parts of ACT and parts of CFT and all of us are doing this all the time we're integrating but one of the things that my personal experience taught me is I'm really frustrated that there's a lack of kind of integration you know you can you don't want to be these kind of you're an integrative therapist but you don't want to be pulling things with no clear formulation so I said you know what I need I really need an overarching model or framework that will bring all of this together and for those of your listeners that are EMDR trained might know about the Notice That podcast which is um Melissa Benendendi Jen Savage and Bridget Falkenstein across in Missouri actually in in Springfield Missouri in the states they've been doing this amazing podcast around emdr principles and bringing in attachment and then just about a month ago on one of their podcasts they said we've developed this amazing model which is called somatic integration processing it's case conceptualization or that's we would probably more call it the kind of formulation type model, uh, where we're bringing together attachment theory, EMDR, and the polyvagal theory. And I just went, "What? This, this is this is the mo- this is the model. This is the framework. This sounds incredible." So I reached out to them, and by sheer chance, honestly, this is complete serendipity. Um, they had online Zoom training in their model last week. And because of the time difference, it took a lot of negotiation at home, and thanks be to Dave, he's amazing, that allowed me to spend that time speaking to them on Zoom and attending their training. But now we've got this incredible framework that I cannot wait. This is so hot off the press. I've not even spoken to my whole team about it yet, but um, the idea that we can integrate these incredible models that are evidence-based based based in neuroscience that then they've they've developed this absolutely beautiful kind of concise model that just speaks to my heart about the integration they even bring in Maslow's hierarchy of need on top so you're you're doing your right brain left brain whole body integration whilst being so aware of the relational dynamics in the room at the time I'll I'll have to (laughs) put I'm going to get so passionate about this it's i I, i'm gonna it's something that i'm so excited about and we're going to work together a a kind of across across the water and develop this for the pain service because this is the missing part and that's not even thinking about nutrition and the hormone sort of elements of the work but this is this is the exciting bit of practice isn't it this is like this there's no way I would have ever had the time to do this in another role. You have to make this happen.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I love this for lots of reasons. Like first it sounds like <laughs> a really exciting model. And uh, and I use EMDR, so I'll definitely be looking up that podcast. Was it notice
1: that? Is that what the podcast is called? It's notice that. Uh, Yes. And they've also got a new one called Evidence-Based Therapists launching soon. Ah. And they do Beyond Trauma, which is um, a psychoeducation podcast for clients as well. Check out beyondhealingcentre.com. Brilliant. I'll link Um, to that in the show notes
0: for anybody that wants to check it out. That sounds amazing. Um, But it's also just such a good example of where independent practice shines yeah right you've you've built a a job for yourself where you've got time (laughs) to explore those collaborations but also may I say you had the balls to reach out
1: (laughs) and make that connection this is where I think your your podcast has been so permission giving for that and Michaela talked about it didn't she about reaching out to the Instagram Mm. kind of Um, influencer and there are times when you think people won't be interested in me or the but actually if you've what that experience has taught me is find your people and just embrace that you're an absolute geek in this stuff and <laughs> yes. love talking about it. I tried to talk to my, some of my uh, sort of personal friends about some of these ideas the other night when we were um, sort of connecting. And, uh, you know, their eyes glazed over after five minutes because they're, they're not into that. But yeah, that's cool. The right because... people, they will be. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's
0: wonderful. And it reminds me, um, I did some trauma training for um other hypnobirthing teachers. And I was really worried. I was like, oh, you know, that it's quite sciencey because I, I wanted to go a, a bit into the kind of sciencey um side of things because I've been asked, I get lots of questions about that. And I was like, Oh, but have I gone too far? But no, of course, they're all massive geeks about birth. <laughs> I loved it and I love teaching it and it just feels right doesn't it when you connect with people who really share your passion on a subject then it's easy and and fun too
1: <laughs> I think the other key bit that the, the personal development journeys taught me as well is embrace who you are like you are the best version of you that anybody that anybody can be and we all go through doubts uh, and anxieties but i did this amazing embodiment training a few years back where i got a real felt sense of my energy and my kind of enthusiasm and that's something i've been very apologetic for over the years i'm always the person with the biggest gob in training i ask hundreds of questions i like talking and i've I've really had to learn within our team what aspects of that part of me are really useful and what aspects actually do I need to step back and let other people take on board, but really allow me to be my excited passionate self when it's, when it's conversations like you and I are having right now, when it's trying to generate energy and when it comes down to actually getting things done, I'm not always the best person, but I know who is in the team. So that kind of authentic self it takes a lot of years obviously it's an ongoing development isn't it but something that's just let us all kind of sink in to who we are and and that kind of I think that's a a
0: beautiful note to finish on because I think so many especially women are brought up with a bit of a sense of you have to be an all rounder. If you can't do it all, there's something wrong with you. And actually, it's not yeah. a reality for any of us. We all have strengths, and we all have areas which are just not our strength. And for me, um, I do some consulting work with some other psychologists in Mind Consulting. We're calling ourselves now. Lovely, uh, yeah. And uh, and what, one of the other psychologists I work with, Kat, is hugely details focused she can see things that I cannot see because I'm all about the big picture I'm the person that's gonna get really excited about the idea and the concept, and I love doing outlines of things yeah yeah but I can't see spelling mistakes and I can't like Mm. just the idea of like googling for a reference it just makes my soul (laughs) shrivel (laughs) Um, but a few years ago I hated that about myself and it's only really recently that I've come to the like actually I shine at some stuff and it's not that. And what I need is to find colleagues who can fill the gaps um, and I can fill them. And I I totally hear you, Rosie,
1: that, that, uh, and completely agree with you, but it, it, it also speaks to the idea to be curious, doesn't it, about Mm. those sides of ourselves. And a a supervisor, or or actually could have been one of the personal therapy experiences I had said to me, why pain, Mel, you know, really own why it is that this is something that you've been drawn to, look at your own history, consider. And again, to embrace that means that you're not apologizing for what it is that you're interested in. There's something connecting about that for some reason. And a really fantastic recommendation I've only just come across recently is period queen by lucy peach check it out ladies and gentlemen because it's it's fantastic in terms of our um hormonal changes at different points in our cycle and i think again understanding the influence of the hormonal system the role of nutrition in the and 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 dave We'll always be talking about the role of sleep as well. These core, understanding your circadian rhythms, like the information is out there, but being able to embrace where you are and why you made that decision at that point in time is always got another meaning or explanation behind it if we know where to look. And I think that's what that, um the somatic integration and processing model really emphasizes is just look at what you what you're experiencing through particular lenses the attachment lens or the hormonal lens or the AIP for the EMDR perspective or the, the the kind of nervous system lens. And there's, there's so much more there that makes sense. You know, all behavior is communication. Isn't Gosh, it? so it's like, so yeah.
0: fascinating. I feel like I could just talk to you all day. And I really <laughs> wish we could. We might have to do a part two at some point. Um, but yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and find out more about you? Oh, thank
1: you very much. Yes. LinkedIn is a good place. We're still developing our pages, but I'm at Dr. Melanie Lee on LinkedIn, um, other members of our senior team, Dr. Alan Bowman are there, Sonia Porritt's there. We've got Trust Pain Management uh, as a page there as well. But our websites, which are under development, so they will be flashy and exciting very soon, um, www.trustpsychology.co.uk and www.trust-pain-management.co.uk. Okay. They're the best places. So I'll put all of those
0: links in the show notes so that people can find you really easily because I think a lot of people are going to want to see what you're up to. Um, So thank you so much for joining us, Mel, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Rosie. Really appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much. Before you go, I just wanted to check something out with you because I don't know if this is just me. But do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning, worried that you've made a terrible error that's going to bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? (laughs) I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd missed something really big when I was setting up my insurance or data protection practices. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases properly. And it's hard, no actually it's impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you have a secure business underneath you. But it can be really overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritize before those clients start coming in. So I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you have everything in place for your security and theirs. You can download it now from psychologist.drosey.co.uk forward slash client hyphen checklist. And the link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.